How to Tell Stories to Children is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling. I am Silke Rose West. And I am Joseph Saracy. We are the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children. Our goal is to foster diverse storytelling by helping individuals like you awaken to the storyteller within. Roots in the Corn Mother Randolph Roots is a little mountain gnome. He lives up in the mountains and he watches out for all the beings, the trees, the rocks, the animals. And he just walks with a joyful heart most of the time. Sometimes when things are happening that are not so great, he will sit down and smoke his little pipe and think about a solution. Oftentimes he finds it. Sometimes he has to be a helper to animals that lose their homes in fires. Sometimes he has to lead people to the little well that has gotten forgotten. He has his ways of doing that. And of course, his friend the tripping gnome will help him to stop a human in their track if they walk through the forest and are a little bit careless. After all, everybody needs a reminder here and there, even the big humans, even the little mice. So Randolph thought, oh, such a beautiful, nice fall day. How about I'm going to go down into the village and see what happens in Grandmother's garden. Randolph loved to visit old Grandmother because he knew that she was just so in tune with nature that there would be always a story in her backyard. And he liked to communicate with all her vegetables and all the things she grew. It so happened that when he came down, a mighty wind started blowing, and it was as once again he heard the fairies sing. Now Randolph was so small that the wind could not blow him away. He walked through the little gate that he had made for himself many, many years ago when Grandmother's house was first built, and he came upon a cornfield. And there he heard someone talking. I am the corn mother, I stand tall. I am so proud of my children, dear. See how many children I have. We do not have fear. Oh, my goodness, that's a beautiful song, said Randolph. Dear corn mother, where are you? Oh, here I am. Who are you? I am Randolph Roots, the mountain gnome. I decided to visit Grandmother's garden. Well, I'm glad you came, because I'm telling my children right now the story of how they came into being. Oh, I love stories. Do you mind if I sit here and listen? Of course, take a seat, dear little gnome. There's a small bean bush you could hide underneath it. Those are the Anasazi beans. They are my sisters, my little sisters that grow next to me. Yes, they are indeed little in comparison to you. I can barely see the top. Oh, you mean my tassel? That's right. Yes, isn't it beautiful? Well, let me tell you. It was on a day late in May when Grandmother came out and had a handful of corn. And as she sat with the corn, she started to cry some tears. Oh, dear little kernels of corn, thank you, thank you, you have survived all this time. I hear that you have come all the way from Hopi land. And 
The little corn seeds, of course, could understand her words, but most of all they could feel the strength of her heart, and they were very happy to be in her hands, and one of her tears dropped on to the corn before she put it in her mouth and said, Dear little kernels of corn, I want you to know who I am, because one day I will not walk on this earth any more, but I want you to know that I will always be with you. And so, Grandmother had the kernels of corn in her mouth, and for the little kernels of corn, it was, of course, like being in a cave that was nice and soft and moist. And then Grandmother put the kernels back into her hand and she planted them three in one hole. One for you and one for me and one for the Creator. Otherwise we won't be. And so she was so happy planting her three kernels in each hole. Now we little kernels, we remembered that we come from an ancient people. And when we started to feel the life force in ourselves, we were dreaming, dreaming big dreams about reaching our roots down into the soil, feeling at one with the earth mother. And as we were reaching down, down into the ground, we heard the sound of drumbeat and women singing. And they sang a most beautiful song to the ancient mothers. Ancient mother, I hear your calling. And when we heard that song, we knew that these women, they were helping us to grow. And we grew and grew and You wouldn't believe, dear corn children. First, our little, little sprout came out of the earth. We looked like a little tiny piece of grass, nothing much to look at. Grandmother came out on the day when we greeted the sun, and she had tears of joy in her eyes. She was so happy that we were growing. And we grew and grew. Our cornfield was a field of sisterhood. And once the tassel came, we even had all the fathers, because the tassels are like where the pollen is. And so these are the fathers that stand up high and reach the sun and call for the bees to come, and all the pollinators. Grandmother had watched us grow all along. She would bring us water when it got too dry and she would sing us a song because she knew we liked to sing. And when she sang, oftentimes Brother Wind came by and he blew right through the cornfield and we all started dancing in our beautiful slender bodies. Oh, we were so nice. Ah, <sighs> Grandmother thought to herself, what if my corn will not have any ears? She meant little corn babies. But of course, we just waited until the time was right, and the corn babies started to form. Slowly they grew. When Grandmother saw the first one, she was so joyful. She said, I can't believe, there it is, the little corn baby. And this little corn baby will grow into a corn mother. All the little corn babies, of course. We know them as ears of corn. They listened very well. So they grew and grew. And even the magpie would come by. And the towhee. And the sparrows. And they're like, the corn is growing, the corn is growing. Come see, the corn is growing. So the month of June passed by and July and also August and September. And there the women came again with their drums and they started to sing under the full moon. 
Ah, oh, it felt so good, dear children, because our ears of our corn, they hear very well. When that drumbeat was beating, our colors, they became so radiant that we were turquoise and purple and, ah, oh, we had the most beautiful colors. They were all inside of us, hidden underneath the corn sheaves. We were so beautiful. And we knew it. We knew inside of ourselves how beautiful we were. But it's one thing to know that you're beautiful, and it's another thing to be discovered as being so. Now, the children that were in the school all through the months of May, that had watched us sprout out, they had come back in September. And it happened to be the time of the year that they celebrated the Harvest Festival. And they were being asked to come and find us, one at a time. And when they did, they peeled off the outer layers of us beautiful corn mothers. And when they gazed at us, they shouted out, Look at this beautiful turquoise corn! Oh, mine is even purple! And the excitement and the joy made us quiver in their hands. So beautiful. Grandmother was happy. She was happy that her corn had grown so nice and tall and beautiful. But most of all, she was happy that the children had the corn in their hands. And you, my little corn babies, each one of you a kernel on my cob, you will go into the world and you will spread the joy and laughter and also the tears, all the things, all the stories you have heard while you grew into the next cornfield for the earth's mother. She loves it when we travel and when we come into the hands of the people that are so connected in their hearts that they can understand the aliveness in us. Ah, oh, the wind started blowing again. Randolph Roots thought to himself, Wow, that was a good day to arrive at Grandmother's house and to hear the story, the story of the corn from the corn mother herself. Well, thank you, corn mother. I wonder, would you like me to take a pouch of your corn children and bring them somewhere? Because today is a spacious day and I could travel a little bit. I love walking the land, especially in the fall of the year. Some of the corn babies shouted out, We want to go, we want to go, let us go, Mr. Gnome, dear mother dear. So one of the corn mothers said, You go. Go into the pouch of the little gnome. Here, Randolph, take a few of my kernels. How about seven? And you can take them wherever you feel they are needed. So Randolph filled his little pouch with seven little corn babies. Seeds of corn. Then he bid goodbye to the corn mothers and to the land and he blew a kiss to Grandmother, who was inside taking a nap, and he walked down the drive after he went through his little gate. Then he thought, where shall I go? And he called on the wind and said, Brother Wind, tell me which direction I shall go. And the wind started blowing. blew out of the east, which was an unusual direction for the wind to blow from. So Randolph took it as a sign that he should walk towards the west. As he walked towards the west, he saw a house. And he thought to himself, this house I haven't visited in a long, long time. In fact, I don't even know if anyone lives in here. 
The windows were wide open, so was the door. And he heard a lot of screaming. Hmm, I wonder what's going on in there, he thought to himself. As he came near the garden gate, he heard two people arguing. It's all your fault. No, it's your fault. Please stop shouting. Please stop arguing, said the children. Oh my, thought Randolph. This does not feel very happy. The little corn children started to quiver in his pouch and said, Oh, I don't know. Please, maybe we keep going. Hmm, said Randolph. Nope. This is where we need to go. Sometimes people forget about the joyfulness in life. Sometimes that is born out of a lot of sadness and confusion. And we need to see if we can do something. So Randolph called on Brother Wind. Brother Wind, breathe and blow. Make those windows and doors close. The wind started blowing out of the east with such a fierceness that it closed the shutters on the windows and it closed the door. All of a sudden it was quiet. And the little child came out of the house with tears in its eyes. I wish that my mother and father would stop fighting. It makes me so sad. You hear that, little corn children? This child, we have to help this child. And so Randolph walked to the child and tapped it on the big toe. The little child, who had been crying, looked at the little gnome and said, I'm so sad because there's no one I can talk to and my mama and my papa are fighting. Oh, Sometimes that happens. I will try and help you out a little bit. Come here, my little one. Open your hands. The child opened the hands, and Randolph whispered to the corn children, Help this child, and do grow, so this child can talk to you, and you can help the parents too remember the joyfulness of life that they have forgotten. When you grow, they will remember the magic. The little child had opened its hands and Randolph put seven little kernels of corn in there. Listen, listen well, he said to the child. Put these little seeds in a little pouch and hide them until it's Mother's Day next year. In the meantime, whenever you think life is too hard, Hold those seeds close to your heart and tell them, Dear corn children, stay with me, because I have still to see the winter and the spring just like you, and I want to plant seeds of joy in the spring, and they will help you. You can talk to them. The child started to feel inside a joyfulness that it had forgotten because there was much sadness in its home. Now the little seed kernels, they started to be very alive, because they felt that this child for sure would be the right one to plant them. Keep us safe. Make sure we are in a dry place. Perhaps you can hide us somewhere near your pillow. And at night, when you sleep, we will give you happy dreams. So the child actually went into its own room and sewed a pouch. Just then the mother came in and said, I'm sorry that we have been fighting. I've been just a little bit worried about winter. Don't worry, said the child, Mama. We will be fine. Just then the dad walked in behind the mother and said, I'm sorry, I raised my voice. I was just so worried about how to make it through the winter. Don't worry, Daddy, we will be fine. 
and there was such strength in the child's voice that the parents looked at each other and thought, where is our child taking the strength from? Now Randall Fruits was still outside, and he looked through the window and he watched it. And he thought to himself, it is so good that these corn seeds have come to this home. I will help this child in the spring to make sure the corn children will turn into corn mothers and that the father and mother will remember how they are working together is going to be what is needed so that the child will grow strong. The little child, in the meantime, had the feeling that the fairies had moved into their home. Seven little fairies in the form of a corn seed. And at night when the child went to sleep, it had dreams of women that were singing and drumming. It was the kind of singing and drumming that made it want to dance. And then the child pictured itself dancing among the stars. And even though the winter was long, the dreams kept coming and the child felt happy. And the happiness actually spread in the home into every corner. And the times when the father and the mother were worried, they started to pay attention to it and they were able to let it go. And what will happen in spring? Well, I will tell you when that time comes. The day after Randolph had dropped off the seeds with the little child, he went and walked back home. And he thought to himself, life is so precious, it's so beautiful, and there are miracles all around. Isn't it wonderful when we become part of that miracle of life? And the wind agreed, for it started to blow. Hi, everyone. We hope you enjoyed the story. This is season two of our podcast, and we're doing it a little differently. Here's how it works. A story comes first, so that listeners with little children can access them easily. In just a second, you'll have a chance to listen to part two where Silka and I give a little background and perspective on the story. Our goal is to inspire you. We love telling stories, but we love it even more when you feel empowered to tell your own. You may find inspiration in the stories. You may find something of value in the discussion. Whatever strikes you, let that be your guide to opening your own voice, like a beautiful flower blossoming after a long drink in the summer sun. Hi, Silka. Thank you for your story. I recognized a lot of personal elements in there. <laughs> Just the planting of the corn and a lot of the process. Actually, something that really stuck out to me throughout the story was that the story included a little bit of instruction about how to plant the corn. Mm -hmm. Something that we had to learn from, from our friend who gifted us uh, that seed corn earlier in the year. There were a lot of other elements too, but um, yeah, what, what, what was your inspiration there? Well, thank you for listening to the story, first of all. And the inspiration is this deep joy that I feel looking out at the cornfield even right now, although the stalks are already dried out, and thinking back of like May time when we planted that corn and just the way we planted it, you know, we did take the actually these corn kernels into our mouth so that the corn knows us. We planted the seed corn with the children at the farm in that same way. And so again, to re-establish the connection between the seed and us as humans and just remember how precious it is that we have these ancient seeds and these grains that really have sustained our uh, ancestors so that we can be alive here on this day. 
And I think uh, looking into the future and climate crisis, and there's, there's so many things that bring a sense of fear. And I want, through the story, I want to bring back this sense of joy mm. and this power of uh, the human being and the connection with the seed. Yeah, that message. I want that message to come through in my storytelling you know, so that grandmother didn't, for example, know the child who later on received these corn kernels. And yet her love and care was connected to this child who then received these kernels. And I felt like the same thing happened for us as uh, teachers. We brought these children to the farmer and then we received these corn seeds in the way they were given to us was given like this is something very precious. It wasn't like, oh, I have acres of corn, so just take whatever you need. No, it was given with this same intention of every seed is precious. And I felt like I was holding a pot of gold in my hand. Mm. <laughs> and I had to make sure not to drop a kernel. <laughs> and I actually paid more attention than I normally do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, if if we can, I'd like to dive into that a little bit because here's, and, and also just be really, really honest, like how I engage sometimes, because I, I find this extremely interesting because I think that, that I see this in the root of a lot of your stories. Like your stories are often like, they're just so sweet, right? They're so warm. And the, the reality is, is that me, as a, a sort of cynical human, I sometimes listen to this story and I go, yeah, you know, it sounds nice. <laughs> sounds nice, you know, but it's just so, uh, it's, it's like, I might use the word saccharin or it's like, it's, it's almost too sweet. And I'm like, you know, hmm. But okay, but but I'm I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm I'm saying that to engage with that within myself. Because like, mm -hmm. especially like when um, the corn mother was telling her story, it, it did get interesting when when Randolph encountered the the family, and of course there's a little conflict there. And then, you know, but even then I'm sitting there going, you know, like, yeah, well, I know what it's like when adults uh kind of get angry and shout. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I these seven kernels of corn, that sounds really nice, but uh, <laughs> I'm not buying it. So again, I'm not saying that to, to as again, as a criticism, but to invite that conversation in, because at the same time, I've listened to so many of your stories and I'm so engaged with so many of those storytelling ideas and stuff. And at the end of the story, I am left with a sweet feeling. And of course, like there's there's part of me, there's something inside my being, right, that allows me to sort of take one road or the other. Part part of me can go down this cynical, yeah, right. <laughs> but part of me can kind of go, hey, just stay with it a little bit because the sweetness is real. I don't know. Could you speak to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, speaks of our own internal seed force, <laughs> what lives in us. Who are we as human beings, you know? And so for me, I feel like this, uh, I want to plant sweetness. I want to share the kind of magic that I have to believe that even these seven kernel of corn can bring a difference into the world. They can help to change the life of a child who I don't even know. And when I believe that, then I act really out of my own core strengths. And it gives me a sense of purpose because I do want to contribute to the well-being of human beings. And I think uh, in there, there is sometimes a harshness that comes in a very technical world, I would say. There is a coldness. There is something that I, I can't quite feel into. If I hold a seed in my hand, I can actually feel it. And in a way that's even more 
potent than let's say with a computer and I think it it part of it is also training myself because I'm learning that even in the virtual world I can connect to people I can you know but there's something very um, very beautiful in that very real holding the corn and saying no this is real and this can heal. This has healing power. And I believe that. And no matter how what anyone thinks, I still believe that. Mm-hmm. And that is something for me so important to shine that through in my stories as well. Because it wasn't the grandmother who went out looking for who has trouble in the village. Who is, you know, that the gnome comes in as this magical helper and then he even speaks about the miracle of life in the end as he walks home, that there are things that we don't necessarily consciously participate. But even in the way we plant the seed, and you did participate in that with me, we both planted the seeds in this way we sang to the seeds. And so when we do that, uh, we engage in the sweetness of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I strongly, I, I agree with that too. And I'm just, to me, it's interesting to notice that inner conflict in myself. Something that always just, just brings me right down to it, and I've learned so much from you is, and I think of it through song. Now, it comes out in storytelling too, but so frequently have you said to me, whether directly about me or, or to the kids, that, you know, to be able to sing to, and to mean it, to really mean it is it is it's just a sign of something in a human being that you just it can't be faked because of course and I've lived plenty of my life being almost as if the only way I could swing sing <laughs> a sweet song or something like this is almost to approach it by making fun of it something like that mm-hmm. right I feel that in myself I'm I'm not proud of that necessarily but I do recognize it and I can actually point to it a little bit to my to myself at least and yet to learn to be able to sing and mean it and sing sweetly it, it's it's such a precious and difficult gift in life and i see something similar here and that's that's partly why i'm diving into that because i'm asking what is it about me what is it about this human being that that i'm so uh i resist the sweetness so much why do i do that why do i do that you know why do i I kind of, uh, mm, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly what the quality is. And I, and I suspect, I, I don't know, but I suspect that there are some listeners out there that maybe relate to that quality because, of course, we want to tell these beautiful, sweet stories. But the, th- but the reality is a five-year-old, a five-year-old can often be jaded enough to be like, yeah, right, lady. <laughs> Well, I think uh, the word jaded, I would I would relate it to uh, that there is something that has interrupted the sweetness of life for this child and probably also for your own inner child. And when the sweetness is interrupted, it's interrupted oftentimes by something that's traumatic. And then what happens is we don't trust the sweetness. And so you're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. no, life, the, the bitterness is actually what is real and uh, we can go there and you know I have been raised in Germany in the post by post-war generations grandparents who lived through two wars and my parents lived through one war there were no sweet stories in the cornfield mm. it's like you gotta work because we have to survive and you gotta know how much it means to save every kernel because you know, otherwise we wouldn't have lived. And so we were fed a lot of the bitter kind of comments that were not even stories. They were, uh, they were like the, the, the grief had hardened the people so much. They remembered the hardship. They remembered how hard it was to survive. And they forgot, many people forgot the song or they forgot how to tell the story. And so as a child, and you walk in the shadow of uh, generations that have um, a heavy history, there is a part in my being that always was there that's like, don't forget the song. 
don't forget the story because if you forget the story and if you if you forget the song then i i can't then i don't know how to help and so it's this own my own inner child that's like i'm so happy to help and do the work but i can't do it by just being told that's what has to be done i i'm like mm, when when I hear, like, I can cope with a lot of stress, I can cope with a lot of difficulties if, the, if there is a song and if there is a story. It helps me, actually. And so I'm, when I plant the corn and I sing to it, I'm like, every, every seed can take that energy out into the world. And then every child who, or every, not even just a child, every human being that eats that corn, maybe will have a moment of a small memory, a reminder of like, that sweetness is real. You can taste it. You can actually taste it. And the beauty is visible in the color of the corn. You can see the beauty of it. Isn't it amazing? Mm. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like like the one of those kernels was planted in you. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. quite, I, I mean that fairly, mm. ser- you know, seriously. Um, because you're talking about this, this uh, life that, that felt sort of... Um, a little bit bitter or deprived or something like this and holding on to the sweetness. And that, that actually does make a lot of sense to me, right? Because mm-hmm. of course, I think, of course, I would say the same thing about, you know, if all you're doing is, is hearing stories about, you know, life's hard, so suck it up. <laughs> That's just how it is. We don't just want only the bitterness. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a complexity, there is a richness to it all. And the balance, and I see how you're, you're you're speaking of now that in sharing this story, the root of it is wanting to share that balance, mm-hmm. right? And what that looks like in this moment is sharing a very sweet story. I mean, the way you you know, even just the way you speak and mm-hmm. um, the way you hold that story, I, I I find that in a really rich subject because what is that authentic living? And and what is that authentic engagement with my own inner story in that way? Mm-hmm. Both my own inner story, but also this kind of reaction that I might have to mm-hmm. some to someone else's story. Sure. I mean, to me, that's that's the nature of of our work, um, or I'd like it to be, or I see it in in some of uh, our discussions. Is like, how am I encountering this storytelling realm within my own being? Mm-hmm. Because I, I do discover the cynicism, but I also discover the beauty. Yeah, I, I, first of all, I think it's good that you turn to yourself and you're really uh, facing what what is authentic for you, what is it that uh, resonates within your own being. And uh, I could easily weave into the story whatever, the, the raccoon who comes at night and eats the corn, I could bring in aspects into the story that make it more, like you could say, real. Bring in something that's like, oh, when the frost came and some of the corn mothers, they froze. I could bring that in, but in, in the way I was uh, experiencing the corn this summer and my own being at this time in my life, I felt like, hmm... This is, I, for me, I just want to share the sweetness right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, at another time, I can bring in those other aspects. It's possible. And I think partially why I also think the sweetness is needed is because we live in a time of the pandemic. And I know there's still a lot of stress out there. So the stress that was in that home of this one child is actually the stress that is alive in many homes and so many children will be able to relate to that and um, thinking about my own parents being children in the times of war and thinking like wow sometimes it it probably was the miracle of a little seed of corn or something that helped them to move on because at times when things like pandemics or wars are happening, human beings can feel very helpless, mm-hmm. you know. And 
we long for a little bit of sweetness and even if it's just given in a story yeah it's like you know jack and the beanstalk the story also arose out of the challenge of the mother not having enough money so she had to send her son to sell her only last cow so these stories are born to give hope yeah yeah no i i mean i i definitely do i definitely do see that and um and i do even see that in myself as i listen to the story especially as it ends and i think of those seeds and the symbol and how they bring in a certain warmth and um, reconciliation into the family. And of course, if I can, just like with a song, if I can put my jadedness quality, put that aside for a minute and just welcome in that idea that seven kernels of corn could could bring sweetness into a family. Because boy, isn't it isn't it sweetness in the family that that I would like to see happen. Isn't that, isn't that, you know, the, the root of, of all of our storytelling work really, or, or much mm-hmm. of it, right? Um, is that, of course, we love sharing stories. We love talking about stories, but what we really want is parents and grandparents, teachers to be able to engage in that sweetness in your own lives. Um, and of course, it doesn't help when somebody like me is walking around judging everybody's story, right? Like that actually kind of hurts, it doesn't feel real good when those kinds of things are happening. And so how do we how do we listen authentically? How do we speak authentically and invite these stories out of ourselves? It takes it takes a lot of attention. Well, it's what I always say, you have to lift the story so you can tell the story. And whether you first live it and then you tell it or whether you you might also have to do it the other way around that you tell a story and then you see can I live it <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I I myself I always say I have to live it and then I can tell it but you can also yeah as I said you can also tell a story and feel into what would it be like to live this story now what would it be like to have seven kernels and Use them like a little worry. Like we use sometimes worry dolls for children. If you have worries, give them to your worries. But what if you were to have a little seed pouch and you had seven kernels of corn in it and you would actually say, wow, they're like the seven sisters up in the night sky and they connect me to the stars and I they can help me with my dreams. What would happen if you tell yourself that story even as an adult at night before you go to sleep? Mm-hmm. And it's something to play with, play around with, even as an adult and see, you know, wow, let's see, maybe something will happen and be curious. Right. No, that, that resonates strongly with me too, for sure, because I, the word that actually comes to mind is something like superstition or belief, mm-hmm. or it revolves around these things. But mm-hmm. what I notice in myself is that, and I notice this around storytelling, and especially a lot of the research and things that I do, that you know, a story isn't about being true exactly. In fact, a lot of the things that we think or do aren't exactly about being true. Um, we can get a little bit lost in, in this relationship to truth. And if we put that aside, sort of, for a little bit and just sit with a practice because it feeds us. Like you're saying, every night I hold these seeds and I, I give them my worries or whatever it is, or I give them my blessings or whatever it is. And then in the spring, I plant them and I watch them transform and grow. It's a powerful symbol. There's a powerful story happening in that but i can't access that in myself if i go around being like yeah well that's bs though that's not true if i turn that sort of vision to it then i don't allow the magic to work within me something Mm -hmm. like that right does that sound right yeah and i think also right now if you were to say engage as an adult in this practice of keeping your seven kernels of seed alive uh, over the winter 
you would not be able to eat them. You don't have enough food. You actually have to make it through the winter just holding these seven kernels until you can plant them in the spring. And it wouldn't be until the following fall that you could actually eat the corn and you could actually have enough nourishment to sustain yourself. So if you want to work with it in this way, it, it takes actually time. It's not, an, uh, we don't turn on a switch that says, okay, shift thinking. It's a tending, it's a growing. And then at one point it will feed you, at one point it will feed your whole family. You can send little pouches of homegrown uh, cornmeal to your parents and your cousins and your great cousins. And that's how we have to look at it. It's not an instant, like, oh, I'll just go to the grocery store and buy it. it yeah. This is not going to work like that. You actually have to first tend it, hold it in this seed pouch, and then wait until it's ready to be planted, and then tend it during the growing time. And then pay attention that you harvest it in the right time. And then you have to winnow it. And then you grind it. And in the days they were living in, oftentimes like the word commitment is, for example, very scary. But this is what these little kernels of corn ask of us. It's commitment. Okay, now, now I'm understanding why... We, I needed to listen to this story and why I needed to have this conversation because that was such a beautiful description of storytelling. Because, of course, yes, that's what it is for the corn and for feeding ourselves. And, of course, that's what it is for a lot of things. But that was a beautiful description of this relationship with storytelling that I think that we can have. It's not instant, right? It's not instant mashed potatoes. It's not no, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, it takes, and it might start with seven kernels in your hand, and it feels puny. And people like me, you know, there's jerks like me walking around going, ah, yeah, that's not going to work, <laughs> you know. But when you bring that into your home, it is, it's possible for that to be the seed of warmth and connection in your family. And if you sit with that seed and you believe it, and you honor it, and you plant it, and you tend it, and you go through all the cycles, and you mm -hmm. harvest it. And even that is really only going to give you seven cobs, if you're lucky, right? And then you keep one of them for seed, and you can eat the others. And the next year, you plant a lot more corn, and blah, 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 whatever. But that's the storytelling process. It's about mm -hmm. being with it. It's about staying with it. And, and, it, and, it, and it is hard. And I, I hope that it's, I hope I'm not being unfair and asking these questions and this exploration, because even I am trying to understand, right? How do we work with the ups and downs, mm. even in our children? Because our children might doubt our own storytelling. We might doubt it. How can I stay with it so that I can begin to see it working its process within me mm. so that, oh my goodness, our own children can begin to see how these stories work within them. Because whatever it is, they're full of stories. Mm -hmm. I'm full of stories, wherever they're coming from, mm -hmm. right? It, 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 like we are just storytelling creatures. That is so mm -hmm. what we are. And do we have the power, just like singing, right? Do I have the power to actually hold that tone that's my song, that's my joyful song? Because I want a joyful song, right? Mm -hmm. Or do I allow myself to kind of be uh, squished by the naysayers of the world who say, no, 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 that's too sweet. You need, we need something a little grittier than that, <laughs> right? And that's a, I think that is just, that's, that's one of the most interesting things I think there is in the world mm -hmm. because these things live inside us. Can mm -hmm. we bring in that kernel, just a few kernels, of that story into ourselves, into our family? Can we work with it and go through the cycles and see what the harvest brings? What, what, what do we harvest when the stories are whatever it is? 
that we're getting from different media sources? What are the stories? What do we harvest when the stories are coming from whatever selection of, you know, books that we choose? What are the, what do we harvest? You can think along those ways because everything is like it's planted. It's planted and it becomes a part of who we are. And, uh, you know, if you do want to plant something that is, you know, sweet or that uh, has the potential to last through the whole winter, you know, it's a good time to think about. And also don't be too hard on yourself if you feel like, like for me, I grew up on a farm, but then I actually abandoned the farm work for a long time because it I was so much on me. It actually took me to go through my own midlife crisis to come back to it and say, I I need to come back to this. This is so meaningful. I went through this uh, time of abandoning what I knew to be true. And sometimes that that can take place and you may sit with your disbelief for a while too. And then just pay attention. If you pay attention, you will... Yeah, something will happen internally once you're really curious. You have to be curious uh, and, and, and start to inquire and really, uh, yeah, what do I want to harvest? And if I have nothing to harvest uh, right now, who are the people I go to to ask, can you share with me the fruits of your labor? Because I'm not ready yet to do my own planting. Who are your people that you want to listen to, you know? And I hope that we can be an inspiration to our listeners. And also, you know, maybe there's so many people out there, you know, just tune in. What What is authentic to you as a listener? What touches your heart? What makes you feel like there is um, something that you want to engage in? And then when you want to engage, how does the word commitment sound to you in regards to this seed another piece i want to add if i can is that you know what i what i've learned to do is i've had to to stay with that observation right how is it that i really want to feel what am i harvesting by listening to these different stories and activities and allowing myself what to engage in or not and what i notice is that of course when i do engage in in these joyful activities in allowing that sweet quality into my life it feels good i'm harvesting something sweet there so i've had to pay attention to that and what does it feel like to be cynical and live with my sarcasm i feel mm, sometimes i feel superior maybe sometimes i feel um, maybe i feel intelligent if i'm lucky but i often internally don't like i don't exactly feel good Right, I feel like I'm walking around in the world, and I'm and I'm using my judgment uh, to sort of poo-poo everything, right? And 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 what I'm getting at here is that I've had to use that very quality, sort of uh, cycling back on itself mm-hmm. to say, "Yep, that's right. I want to be the biggest, best, strongest in the world, and biggest, best, strongest, what?" <laughs> Right. And so as I as I pay attention in my life and I go, that's it. That's actually what I want. You know what I want to do? You know what the biggest, best, strongest thing that I want? I want I want to love my daughter. Whew, boy, do I want her to know it. I mean, and I want to really listen to her. And Silka, I feel the same way with you. And of course, I feel that way with my friends and family. And so in order for me to sing, and I'm I'm speaking a little metaphorically here. In order for me to tell my story and to do it authentically and with sweetness, there's a way in which I have to harden myself. I have to, I have to strengthen myself to endure my internal criticism. And of course, the internal criticism that I sometimes uh, gets reflected in external criticism that I, I kind of ascribe to others well, I can't, I can't sing such and such a song in front of so-and-so because they're going to just think I'm a total, you know, goof or something, which is me. That's my judgment, right? Not mm-hmm. theirs. Right. And so strengthening myself to say, ah, you know what? 
this is what I want. I, I, I want to harvest that sweetness in my story, mm. in my song. And in order for me to do that, I'm going to have to be strong here. I'm actually going to have to be really strong because I'm going to have to tell this sort of overly sweet story or something, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and honor it and mm-hmm. actually honor it and not allow that judgment in. That takes a great deal of strength, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't, I, I see so many things uh, circling on, yeah. on each other here. Yeah, and I think in engaging in stories and even with your partner, listen to a story and just see what what does it bring out in you, you know. And the same for me, what do your stories bring out in me or what do they help me to see? It is, it's it's beautiful. It's like engaging in the garden and yes, the weeds are there and yes, the bugs are there and sometimes the squirrel who eats the corn or the rat who puts it into its den, you know. Those things are all real. But um, yeah, there, there, is, there is space for it all and there is growth. There is ultimately growth. And if you can make a commitment to your own storytelling and whether you engage in the garden with the seeds or um, in any way you do that if you make a commitment there is a potential that you get to experience all different phases and and potentially your own growth will help you then all of a sudden to see things like oh my inner critic and who is that in the garden bed and it's it's beautiful and I think that's what I want of relationship my relationship with you with your daughter with my own grown-up daughters is a continuous growth and I want to continue to learn and to grow and may our stories never become stale right with that ability to to that authenticity right that ability to share and say and not just pretend either, you know, yeah. not just pretend and say, oh, that was so sweet. Thanks so much. Yeah. But to say, hmm, I'm encountering something here. Yeah. And yet to have that trust and say, hmm. So thank you. I, I, I hope it's okay that I kind of brought up that subject and in that way, because I do like exploring it. Yes. it I find it very meaningful. Yeah, thank you. And I just want to remind our listeners that this part, the second part, is really for you as adults to listen to as Joe and I are uh, speaking and experiencing our own um, reflections within the storytelling and our own personal growth. It's an invitation for you as adults to do that for yourself. A young child can just live in the story mm-hmm. and you can observe your child and you will get a sense whether this story was good for them or that's something you can tell as a parent or a caregiver. How does this story resonate with my child? Children will be able to reflect that. And so... Please take the second part of this podcast where you listen to us talking really as an invitation for your own self-reflection. And it is our hope that, you know, you get inspired and you will want to do that storytelling work and just engage in life in a, in a beautiful way so that you feel that joyfulness and happiness of being alive. That's what we wished for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Soka. Thanks for listening to How to Tell Stories to Children, a bi-weekly podcast from the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children, now in 19 languages. Our goal is to help parents, teachers, and grandparents connect heart-to-heart with kids. You can find this podcast as well as upcoming webinars, events, our blog, stories, and more at howtotellstoriestochildren.com and on our Facebook page. You will also find the entirety of Season 1, which gives more background and perspective on a variety of storytelling topics.
You can also submit questions and ideas. We like to hear from you. If you value this podcast, we invite you to consider making a contribution to keep it alive. The proliferation of free podcasts, articles, and resources on the web makes it easy to forget that real people are behind the work. It means a lot to us when you take the time to rate and review our book, this podcast, or share it with a friend. And if you're able, your financial gifts at patreon.com slash how to tell stories to children make it possible for us to continue calling out the storytelling voice in other parents, teachers, and grandparents. Together, we can spread the intimacy and joy of storytelling one family at a time.